0: deep left into the bleachers a two run homer a swing and a miss ball game lift off and history marches on 22 consecutive wins from the sports desk of the Akron Beacon Journal and ohio.com this is leading off with Ryan Lewis a podcast on Cleveland baseball santana makes the catch ball game the Indians have won the American League pennant. The Cleveland Indians are going to the World Series. Now, Ryan Lewis and Ashley Bastock. Welcome to Leading Off, a podcast on Cleveland baseball. I'm Ashley Bastock, here with our beat writer at the African Beacons Journal, Ryan Lewis. And Ryan, we are recording this a little after 5 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon because Today's game has been postponed, and we are coming to you on the heels of some breaking news about Shane Bieber.
1: Yeah, so along with the postponement, uh, acting manager DeMarlo Hale has announced that Shane Bieber will return on Friday to start uh, that game in Chicago against the White Sox. So that will be the first time that Bieber's pitching since mid-June. Um, and, you know, as we've documented, um, that he's just gone through such a long and um you know probably pretty frustrating uh, rehab process um his shoulder strain um just did not come along like uh like the team had hoped um you know the way that he has progressed wasn't necessarily out of like the realm of you know the the the, the possible uh timelines um but it was definitely on the uh lengthier end um but he'll be able to come back and you know he and and the team have have, have both kind of talked about it where you know, it's kind of viewed where there's no urgency to him returning um, there. You know, Cleveland is right on the heels um, of being officially eliminated, but they're out of playoff contention at, as of right now. So there's not a lot um, in terms of, you know, anything this season, but just in terms of going into an offseason program and going into the winter, uh, you know, there it is seen as somewhat beneficial to uh, get him back on a mound in a major league setting uh, to gain some feedback about exactly where he is. Um And just to allow him to pitch, Um, DeMarlo did mention that, um, you know, his pitch count won't jump too high above where he was on Sunday, in which he threw 57 pitches uh, with Akron. Um, So, you know, Bieber could throw around 70, depending on how he feels and depending on how that start goes. Um, Normally, pitchers jump up around 15 pitches. Um, That may not be the case with Bieber, just because they're going to show, you know, extreme caution with him. But, again, this is all – all about just how his shoulder feels and responds and and, and where they'd like to get him going into the offseason. Um but Shane Bieber will pitch again um, this season, assuming nothing comes up between now and Friday, and um that would probably allow Bieber to throw uh, you know, two outings uh before the end of the year.
0: Yeah, and given like you said, they're basically out of playoff contention at this point. Um it, it's like this is the big storyline, I think, in these next Couple of weeks. I mean, I don't think it's hyperbolic to, to say that. No, and, and I mean, it's not just with Beaver. It's with,
1: you know, nearly every spot on the roster. It's about evaluation and, um, you know, looking at possible development and progress with a, a, a really young roster and also looking at several roster spots that, you know, could be kind of up in the air, um, whether it's looking toward next spring and, and, and how the front office wants to shape the roster or, even earlier than that, um, you know, this winter with the, the rule five draft roster crunch that uh Cleveland's going to face in several teams across baseball. You know, there are a lot of teams that are kind of in a, a similar position um, and Cleveland's definitely one of them where every 40 man roster spot is kind of going to be viewed like gold for a while because there are just too many guys that uh, are, are valuable enough to want to protect um, and that the team does not want to lose. Um, but they're, you know, they're likely, you know, just aren't enough spots to go around. Um, so they're, there's a lot of evaluation going on um, a lot of, you know, th- this is almost like an extended spring training where guys are trying to show a certain level of progress and a certain, you know, s- spot that they're in heading into the winter because the front office is going to be faced with a lot of difficult decisions. Um, and really for the last, you know, several weeks, maybe even a few months, basically since probably the trade deadline, um, you know, that's kind of been kind of the feel in Cleveland and, and, uh, for, for several other teams that, you know, it's, it's really about, uh, you know, looking ahead to 2022 and how this team is set up for 2022, which seems to be pretty well. I mean, we've, we've gotten some answers with the rotation. We've gotten some answers with some other spots, but there's still a lot to sort through and uh, a, a lot of variables to consider. Um, so with, you know, with Shane Bieber's health and, and, and with his shoulder and with other spots, uh, with a lot of guys, Trying to carve out roles uh, heading into next spring or next season, you know there there is a lot to sort through. So yeah,
0: and when when you talk about the Rule Five draft, we did talk about it at the time when you wrote it. But back on August 23rd, Ryan wrote a story analyzing Cleveland's infield moving forward. uh So there's also a breakdown of a lot of the Rule Five draft possibilities in that story. So you can go and check it out or go back a few weeks and listen to our podcast when we talked all about it. Then it's up to you. Um, but moving on to uh, another pitcher, while Beaver made progress in some rehab starts, a rehab start in Akron. James Karinchak has continued to work in Columbus. So, what's the latest with him? The other big name that we know who's been uh, not dealing with an injury, but dealing with some some issues on the mound. Well, according to
1: Carl Willis, uh, you know Karencheck has showed some some progress and some positive signs. Um, you know he had a, a, a lot going wrong pretty quickly. Um, you know, and we we talked about that a week or two ago. Um, but there are some things that, that Karen check has showed uh, in AAA that have been you know somewhat encouraging. Um, you know they've liked his, his velocity wasn't an issue, but that has been man, uh, maintained. Um, they've liked the right on his fastball. Um, they Willis mentioned that they've liked uh, his his strike percentage. Um, and and how often he's been staying in the zone. And um, so that he's, you know, he's rounding into form a little bit, um, but there is still work uh, to be done or else obviously he would be back in Cleveland. Um, so again, you know, you know, just sort of like we talked about that the more important thing isn't necessarily to get Karen check back in, in Cleveland. It's it, it's to allow him to be in the best environment um, just to work on his own mechanics. You know, it's kind of of the reverse of, of Beaver's spot. Um, but but still, sort of the same uh, you know general idea where it's just about being being in the in the right spot, the right mindset, the right atmosphere. Uh, where with Bieber, you know they'd like to get him back out there to to get as much feedback as possible, um, so that he can kind of let it go and and, and really know where he's at. With Karen Check, um, it, it's it's more about you know getting him away from that competitive atmosphere and just just allowing him to focus on the process instead of the results as he tries to work his way back. Which is really something similar, uh, with, with how the team handled Tristan McKenzie for several weeks where they, they made it a point to stay away from him even when, you know, a need arose and then another need came through and then, um, you know, just all these pitches were having to be called up and they went to Logan Allen instead of Tristan McKenzie, even though Allen had just, uh, come back from an elbow injury, um, because they, they, they wanted to make it, um, a, a real goal and, and, and to be real intent with giving, giving McKenzie as much time as possible just to work on his stuff and not have to worry about results at all in AAA. And that's kind of something simpler with check where they just want him to be able to, um, to go out there, throw, analyze it, um, look at some film, look, look at, uh, you know, some of those numbers that, that always come with that and um, just get him as, as in, as good of as, or in as good of a spot as possible heading into the winter, which again, it's, it's all about setting up 2022 right now and, um so Kersha continues to you know pitching AAA Columbus, but at this point, there are some things that uh, Cleveland has liked, um, but there's there's still some things to work out there as well.
0: Switching gears to things that have happened on the field in Cleveland recently. Uh, one of the more interesting stories from the past week now ex outfielder Anthony ghost. 100 miles per hour in his pitching debut for Cleveland during Monday's doubleheader. And you have this quote in your story. It was a good enough quote to even make your headline. It's one of my favorite quotes from the year where he said, I guess I'm just too stupid to quit. So um definitely more of a, a feel good story here here recently. I know I love stories like this.
1: Yeah, that was a great line from him. Um, 'Cause you know, five years ago he he walked off the field as an outfielder and um had a pretty rough couple months um where he was sent down, um, dealt with quite a bit. It's been documented, and um, you know, the 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 following spring tried to make the roster uh in Detroit, did not make the opening day roster and basically just tried to make the sort of the conversion back to a pitcher, but in terms of, of, of being a, a major leaguer, um, you know, trying to to find his road back to the major league level uh on the mound. And it took five years through three systems. He went up and down the minors um, was always kind of viewed, you know, for several years, he's been viewed as he's a hard throwing lefty, which will always, you know, those guys will be given uh, a pretty lengthy leash Um because that's, you know, that that's not the most common combination for a pitcher. Um And when he can throw that hard, he's going to be able to, to, to have some time to try to figure out and it and it, it definitely took some time but he got 39 pitches he hit 108 times he hit i think 99 like 21 times or something like that out of 31 pitches or, or somewhere close to that um so his situation it's it is a difficult one because he's out of options which did play a role in how long the team had to wait to to be able to call him up plus he had to get to a point where you know he was pitching well enough to be able to do that Um, and he mentioned, you know, he pitched for Team USA in the Olympics, uh, a few months ago and he, you know, he, he referenced, um, you know, that experience being really beneficial to him in terms of being able to talk with guys, being able to, to continue to refine himself, um, you know, as, as a two pitch pitcher, it's not just his fastball. He also has to have a slider to keep guys off of the fastball. And, uh, you know, he, he, he said that that was pretty beneficial, but, you know, now, he's he's out of options there isn't a lot of flexibility with him moving forward but he'll you know he'll get about a week and a half here to, to try to show that you know like we were talking about that he can carve out his role and um as a, a still pretty a pretty raw pitcher but you know certainly something that's definitely intriguing when, when you have a lefty who can hit uh 100.8 miles per hour there you know that's that's pretty rare
0: So he was obviously an obvious candidate for this week's three up, three down. He did make the up portion of that list. So let's talk about the other two guys. Uh, Jose Ramirez named the AL player of the week this week.
1: Yeah. And he's just still really, really good. And there, I mean, he's been, he's been,
0: Jose Ramirez
1: is good at baseball. He's, he's just really good. Hashtag analysis. I mean, that's, he went, uh, 10 for 20. Uh, four extra base hits. He drove in seven and he scored 10 runs. He walked four times in, in six games. I mean, he just, when, when he gets hot, he's, he's really one of the more dangerous hitters in baseball. He's one of the more dangerous hitters in baseball regardless. Uh, but when he gets on a roll, um, there aren't a lot of guys, uh, that pitchers would rather, uh, not have to face than a, a streaking Jose Ramirez. Um, and, and he's been tremendous. He's, you know, w- with his contract situation uh the team has two club options on him he remains one of the best you know market values in baseball um uh, he's been that way for several years he's been a consistent mvp candidate um and he's probably still one of the more underrated players in baseball you know i he probably hasn't gotten quite the the recognition for uh not only the the heights that he's reached but also the consistency that he that he's had outside of as we've mentioned that one ex- really extended slump um, he's just been so solid uh, you know, at at third base for four or five years for them. And you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this, you know, toward the end of the year and, and just after. But you know, his name will continue to pop up as a possible trade target around the league just because you know that that's always going to be there because Cleveland has to, you know, answer the phone basically. You know, they have to at least be a- open to the discussion. Um and, and Jose Ramirez is is kinda at the forefront of that. Um, but in terms of production, you know, he's absolutely vital to this lineup, um, both this year and, and moving forward, um, where if he's dealt, you know, I'm sure the uh, the, the return would be absolutely substantial. Um, but if he remains in Cleveland, um, he, he, he's the absolute vital part to the lineup, um, where they, they probably can't do much without his production. But as long as he's there and healthy, um, you know, he's, he's just been so solid for them.
0: And Eli Morgan outpitched Garrett Cole in an 11-1 to win over the Yankees on Sunday, the third guy rounding out three up this week. And he's had a real up-and-down stretch here uh, where he's been,
1: he's been really roughed up in some outings, and then in other outings he's, he's been absolutely solid. Um, and Eli Morgan is someone where, uh, you know, as we talked about Cleveland's starting pitching depth, um, moving forward, there are some minor league option issues that that you know this team could run into where some guys, uh, Logan Allen, Sam Hentges, um, who's already actually started that, and uh, Demarlo Hale said today that Logan Allen may be converted to the bullpen in the short term here right now. So both of those guys are kind of already uh, uh, leaning that way where you know they could offer bullpen depth. Eli Morgan will be able to, to you know provide this team with some starting rotation depth. In AAA, uh, to start the season, and that's of course assuming that Bieber, Savali, Plisak, McKenzie, and Quantra are all healthy, but if they are, that's pretty much locked in as the, as the top five, barring something like really crazy, uh, next spring. Uh, you know, those five will make up a, a really strong and intriguing rotation. But after that, uh, you know, Eli Morgan is, is one of those guys that they may, may be able to lean on, and, you know, as we've seen, and as, as we all know, it's one of the, uh, the most truthful sayings in baseball is that you, you can never have too much starting pitching. Um, Eli Morgan will be able to provide some of that depth where he's intriguing because he's had some outings where he's looked pretty rock solid. It's just that, um, it's, it's kind of like absolutely crushing a drive right down the fairway and then shanking your seven iron trying to get to the green. It's, it's just there hasn't been a lot of consistency where he's put it all together multiple times in a row. Um, but it's been intriguing from a standpoint of, you know, they've they've seen kind of his ceiling, but they've also seen his floor, and it's kind of swung back and forth pretty severely. Um, but you know, he's someone that, and he's another young pitcher that, you know, the team will continue to develop and um, offer some depth as a sixth or seventh option next spring.
0: Nice golf reference for all the golfers there. I was waiting for a fencing reference. Maybe you can try to work that in next time. Oh, I don't know if don't, there I would be an I, approach. I, remember,
1: I don't think I remember any of the terminology for fencing. Oh, Besides, how to
0: make it to Paris? Shameful. You're really behind on your training. Uh, anyways, let's three down now. You mentioned Logan Allen. Let's talk about him. I know we, we talked extensively about his uh, return up to Cleveland, but – he has struggled to maintain his form since what was a pretty strong start back up here.
1: Yeah, the outing on August 27th when he returned was a you know a revelation for him. Where it's been a really frustrating summer. He's had to work on a lot, and it all kind of came together. But since then, it has kind of fallen apart. It's kind of similar to you know how he was pitching toward the end of spring and then the beginning of the regular season, where he looked pretty strong, and then pretty quickly though, um, it just the the rails just kind of uh fell off there or the wheels kind of fell off um and he he's continued to work on his grips he's continued to, to to work on his delivery mechanics um cleveland's been talking about especially the lower half of his delivery for a long time and that's been a continual um you know project i guess uh you know but he's um, again the, the the cleveland's 40-man roster is just full of younger pitchers that are continually developing um, and and that can go up and that can go down. And Logan Allen has seen both of those over the last few weeks, but he's another guy that you know the team's working with. And you know, if he comes out with, uh, you know, a, a similar spring as he had last year, uh, you know, he could be an option uh, for the bullpen and uh, to provide us some, some multi-inning relief. And, um, you know, th- there's a chance that that could be good for him. Um, uh, we were talking with uh, pitching coach Carl Willis um, a few days ago now, and he mentioned that, you know, shifting to the bullpen has been really good for Sam Hentges because it's allowed him to to be more aggressive. It's allowed him to focus on knowing that he's only going to have to face five, six, or seven hitters or so instead of having to get through five or six innings. Um, and and that can kind of shift how you can approach some some hitters. And there's a chance that that also helps Logan Allen. It just kind of remains to be seen. But you know, Cleveland does have a lot of uh, options there, and it just depends how how each guy uh, can adjust to to whatever role they they need him to be in.
0: And Oscar Mercado is the other player to talk about here who he's been in a rut as of late. Yeah. And kind of similar to Logan. He's had a couple
1: stretches where for two or three games, he's put together two or three multi-hit nights. And it looks like maybe he's started to kind of regain that 2019 form when he stole, he stole 15 bases and hit 15 home runs. um, And he handled the number two spot in the lineup as a rookie. Uh, So going into 2020, uh, you know, the arrow was, was pointing up there um, and he just hasn't been able to regain that sense. And next spring he'll be out of options. Um, you know, there there are quite a few outfielders in, in similar spots where there isn't a lot of flexibility. And sometimes being out of options can help you. Um, and sometimes it can hurt you in terms of how the team gets through the entire off season and, and how they handle the 40 man roster and how guys look at the end of the year. But um, you know, Mercado might have a, a lot to show, um, and there's there's certainly been some frustration where the other night you know, he slammed his helmet down. There's clearly been some frustration where two or three positive nights has been followed by like an over eight stretch or an over 11 stretch. Um, and that consistency has really eluded him since 2019.
0: And finally, the end of this season has not been the kindest to Nick Whitgren here. And he could be a guy who there's some serious question marks, I think, going into the offseason. Yeah, because he'll be
1: entering uh, another year of arbitration, and um, especially the last several weeks. Um, you know, we've seen him. He's been put in a lot of really difficult situations, especially on the road in extras, where if you're the road team in extra innings and you don't get that free runner at second base uh, to score, that really puts uh, whoever is on the mound uh, to start the next inning in, in a really difficult spot. And time and time again, for, for whatever reason, that's been Nick Wickren um so he's uh, his win loss record i think is 2 and 8 those 8 losses really don't matter Yeah, um, it, pitcher win loss is just not a evaluation statistic it's it just doesn't hold a, a lot of worth but especially in nick wickren's case where he's just been put into bad spots the problem is that you know what what is substantial uh is that he's just really struggled um where it's not just the free runner scoring it's uh you know he's he's really struggled uh to kind of hold things uh you know just to, to hold things there and uh for a pitcher entering um you know the, the arbitration spot that he's in with his service time uh with you know again cleveland having a few starting pitchers who may have to make the shift to the bullpen uh with how the team has handled um anyone with a club option or arbitration recently uh, you know, Nick Wickron has been a fantastic value for this team since they acquired him. He's been a really solid reliever for several years. But at, you know, as of this time, um, you know, his footing in terms of, you know, the team's plans moving forward might be on kind of shaky ground.
0: All right. Well, that's about all of the baseball that we have to talk this week. Um, And especially with one less game to talk about than we thought we were going to have with Wednesday being postponed. But. We talk a lot of pop culture on this podcast and the Emmys were this past Sunday and I wouldn't bring it up if Ryan had not texted me and then I knew he watched at least part of the Emmys. So um the big takeaway, I think, for both of us was the disappointment in Bo Burnham losing for I, f- I forget the main category on the main show. It's like variety special pre-recorded or something. Does that sound right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, it was like pre, pre, pre-recorded variety special and then there's some other terms, but yeah, that's we're so
0: right. Come on this podcast, but you all do not come on this podcast to, uh, hear me get stuff technically right about pop culture, I'm assuming. Um, but anyways, he lost to Hamilton, which I love Hamilton. I've seen Hamilton. Um, I think I was very much of the mindset Hamilton has a lot of awards already. Um, it would have been nice to see something else rewarded, possibly Bo. Um, but. Yeah, that was my – our one big thing that we that we talked about. But he did win three other Emmys at the Creative Arts Emmys, which aired, I believe, the night before. So that's promising. Go, Bo.
1: Which is well-deserved. I was also sad that uh, in that same category, the West Wing special.
0: Yeah, that uh,
1: that was in there too. Because that the episode that they redid is, is one of the best. And that quote that – I know where all the pieces on blah, 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 his board. I won't do the whole thing, but – um, that's one of the better quotes in the entire series, I think. Um, and then Bradley Whitford, uh, did not take it home in another category for Handmaids.
0: Well, but listen, if, if I, don't I don't even know why they had as many nominations. Like, I like this season more than most, but like, it feels like, and this is a larger conversation to be had about the Emmys, like, based on what was nominated and what won. Um, I'm going to put on my former political journalist hat here. And use a political term, I think a lot of people just really down-ballot voted. Like, if you were not a part of the Crown, Hacks, uh, Ted Lasso... And what was the other big one? Maribee town of course another another show that leading off uh, chooses to stand uh, it, really if you were not one of those shows, it seemed like you didn't have much of a chance of winning anything like it felt like really that was all the academy really watched, especially in drama with the crown.
1: yeah I feel like I, I can't even say anything about that because I was thrilled that shits Creek um, ran the table. yeah recently was that was awesome.
0: But I, I think and I was listening to um, another podcast, an actual uh, qualified uh, award season podcast about this. But like it seems like it, in the past when how voting was done, people would submit an episode. You would watch that singular episode and then maybe be able to judge things more uh, based on that, like one clip for one episode or whatever. But now it's like a lot of people are judging things based on, like, the entire season of a whole. So, like, you can say, oh, I really like Ted Lasso. I'm going to vote Ted Lasso all the way. Or I really like the crown. going to vote the crown all the way. Um, but I, I think, like, in, in uh, you know, limited series, movie, whatever that long name for that category is, where that's gotten to be the more competitive category in recent years. Um, Queen's Gambit snuck in there and obviously won Best Limited series, which I was kind of shocked by because Mayor of Easttown swept the acting awards, but uh, definitely some some interesting interesting wins in that regard. I think
1: I enjoyed the guy from Queens Gambit just telling the music like no 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 no.
0: I'm oh, not Stan, he was a Twitter villain that night. I thought that was so annoying. <laughs> I, I, but I thought it was okay
1: because it was a really sweet speech. It wasn't self fulfilling or anything like that. I, I I think he wanted to go out of his way. To recognize some people um, and kind of make his point. I, I don't really care if it, it runs long. I actually do have two two new shows for you though that we've started. One is you,
0: Brian. You're telling me things that I watched like two years ago.
1: That's fine. That's fine. But we haven't we haven't discussed it. But I, we we're like early in season two, um, and she's watched all the shows with Penn Badgley, or however you pronounce his name. Yeah. Okay.
0: We have a lot of um, conversations off mic on how to pronounce names on this podcast. Sometimes, <laughs> but he's good. That's
1: good. And then, and this one's new, so you can't. I, I, I can't be accused of the same thing. Uh, only murders in the building,
0: Ryan. What you're talking to the you're talking to the master of good television? Okay, like you I'm can't not, I, assume I that you've seen anything before me unless it is Star Wars, and then you've seen it before me. No, 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 no.
1: I just mean, like, this isn't, like, a five-year-old show. It's only been on for however however long, but we're – that's tremendous with Steve Martin and uh, Martin Short.
0: And Selena Gomez. How dare you forget the other lead. And Selena Gomez,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, but, um, yeah, definitely some early – an early probably Emmy contender for next year. And the reception at the Emmys that Jennifer Coolidge got, I'm like, wow, people better – give her the Emmy next year for the white Lotus, like phenomenal. And Jennifer Coolidge, is like, doesn't have any like major awards. And I think she's kind of like beloved by so many people at this point, it would be a nice opportunity to give her an Emmy for some really solid, solid work. I think on that show. Yeah, she
1: was tremendous. That was a, as, as we've talked about, if anybody has been on the fence about watching white Lotus, that's definitely a, a recommendation. That was fun.
0: Yeah, that's, Ryan Lewis, come here for his baseball takes and his pop culture recommendations. Well,
1: if you're a baseball fan, you've got an extra three hours or so tonight. Although, yeah, su- Survivor starts tonight, so that's
0: gonna. This podcast also won't post till Thursday, so they're gonna have to get in the, hop in the old time machine. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and start start the White Lotus and uh, do it that way because that's what we have. Um. All right.
1: There's a double header. So there isn't a lot of time. You can maybe get a a white Lotus episode in between games while you eat. If you're watching both.
0: Perhaps. Uh, Although I don't know if that might be enough time, but anyways, until next time, find all of Ryan's Cleveland baseball writing over on his Twitter at by Ryan Lewis and over at BeaconJournal.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley Bastock forty two and here is my favorite part of the episode where I try to think of a clever sign off in roasting Ryan, but I just don't have it this week. I can't figure one out. This podcast has derailed. <laughs>